right there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Okay, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studios in Las Vegas, sponsored by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Stevie Slapshot. I'm Dana Lane. I'm telling you, Steve, I mean, I love that song. I mean, I can't tell you. You know, we talk. Yeah. I, I can't go to a show without talking about Def Leppard, but I love that song. I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this. I, I, let's get to the hockey headlines real quick. So much to go go over with uh, our next guest, but uh, for sure the the top story is the death of Guy Lafleur, who passed away at seventy. Uh, of course, he was battling in no cause of death, but uh, has been announced. But of course, he battled cancer and lung cancer, and uh, it's unfortunate. And I know everybody that you know that organization and fans. I mean, you talk about how we feel about Mark Andre Fleury is the way that they feel. Uh, about Guy Lafleur, so it's a sad day for sure uh, in, for the Montreal organization uh, here locally. The Golden Knights still right in the playoff hunt. I mean, I we got we it, got breaking Golden Knight news, Dana. Okay, Robin Leonard, Robin Leonard undergoing season-ending surgery. Yeah, so that's it for Robin Leonard, and and Logan Thompson is going to be uh, in net against San Jose, and he is going to be, I think, probably in net for the last four games. There, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, Knights right in the playoff hunt. Calgary took care of business last night. They did the Knights a favor, 4-2 win over the Stars. VGK trails the Stars by two points for the last wild card spot. And now they're staring at Dallas again. We thought forever that Los Angeles was going to be the path to the postseason. Right now, Dallas is the path to the postseason. And like we said with Chuck, uh, they have one major edge, and that's the regulation victories. Right. Uh, that's something Dallas is not going to uh, overcome Vegas as far as regulation victories are concerned. So it, it, it could come down to beat Dallas and you're in, Yeah, which is crazy to me because you know part of me says, hey, look, uh, you can't beat New Jersey on home ice. I, I don't you, – you know, I wrote them off. Yeah. I, that's my official stance. I can't go back on it. it. It just to me that tells me a lot about where this team is, and, and so now they get a they get a big win the other night, and now they play San Jose on Sunday. That's a game that they must. I mean, they it's been must win for a month and a it half. It has. Uh, Dallas plays Seattle tomorrow, Vegas uh, Tuesday, of course, and then Wednesday at Arizona, and finishes off with Anaheim next Friday. So you can see the schedule is a lot different. VGK obviously has the harder road with that three-game trip. It is, but Dallas has had the easier road for a while and been coughing up games. 
Not only, hey, look, Seattle just took out Colorado last night. There is no right. easy game. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, I mean, I know Colorado's battling injuries. We get that. But to lose to Seattle, that's a huge favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, Colorado's done that a few times this year. We, we brought up a thousand times that they've lost Arizona. And now they've lost to Seattle. I mean, I'm telling you, if VGK gets in, not only will I admit I'm wrong, but I will also say, they got a shot to go far because, A, I love Logan Thompson. Mm-hmm. And maybe now that it was an injury the other night right? Uh, as to why Robin Leonard came out. right? So we don't know. That stuff's going to come out. And, then, uh, and it's not going to come out. It's not going to come oh, out. Oh, no, it will eventually. Yeah. Not, not, as, not as quick as it would with some organizations, but it, it will eventually come out. I, Just like I, the Eric Holla injury eventually came out, what, what was the deal? I Although think that, we knew. I think this is an either-or. E- either he absolutely does need the surgery right now, and so he's gone, or he was looking for an out. Hey, I don't know what it, what it was. It, two or three weeks ago, somebody talked about his rotator cuff. Was that you or somebody? T- uh, there, there, yeah, there, there was. There was a, some rumor about right. that. So, yeah. Not, of course, just speculation, so we're just throwing it out there. But uh, Silver Knights take on San Jose tonight and tomorrow at the DLC. This is obviously a chance for the Knights to go into the postseason feeling real good about themselves. They're on a little bit of a roll, haven't lost in, in uh, I say golden, I meant silver. Uh, they haven't lost in six straight games, uh, hasn't had a regulation loss in six straight games. And, of course, they, they've handled Stockton, and now they have two games against San Jose, who's the worst team in the AHL, so... Uh, you know, look, if the Golden Knights don't make the postseason, go on up to Henderson and support the Silver Knights. All right. You may know him from the Mitch LaFont and Jeremy White podcast, which is essential hard rock podcast listening for sure. Uh, he's a man that also loves hockey, which is the reason why I could technically get him into this game or into this uh, into this show. And he told me an interesting story that involved Ken Dryden and, and Mitch before we get to Guy LaFleur, tell me all about his teammate at one point, Ken Dryden, and your affiliation with Ken. Ken was a neighbor of mine <laughs> where uh, growing up. So yeah. uh, every day to go to elementary school, I would cut across his lawn because the, the elementary school was behind his house. So I would cut across his lawn, and I, and I would say hi to him all the time. And here's the great thing. At Halloween... We all wanted to go to his house because he didn't give out candy. He gave out Montreal Canadian hockey pucks. And you have to remember, in the, in the mid-'70s, they didn't have the marketing they have now. You couldn't just go down to the store and buy a puck or a jersey. I mean, it was, it was getting a puck was like, oh, my God. So he would give out these pucks that were used in practice and used in what. And Halloween was like, hello, everybody. Trick or treat. Forget the candy. I'm going to Ken's house. And, and it was great. And um, – I'll finish with this on Ken. He, he moved away when I was about 11 or 12 years old, right? He, he quit the Habs and then he moved away. Uh, I was working on a TV show when I was about 24, and Ken was scheduled to be the guest. And he walked right in, and he said, Hey, Mitch LaFon, how are you? And I went, I went what? I go, I go, you haven't seen me in 12 years. He goes, yeah, but I saw you every day at the pool, and you crossed my lawn every day. And I go, yeah, but I was this high. He goes, Trust me, I remember faces. It was like, oh, okay, hello, Ken. <laughs> Mitch, know, didn't you didn't you tell me guy. though that you ended up mowing the actual lawn? That you he probably just said, hey, look, if you're going to walk across there, you might as well mow it. 
No, I never actually got to mow it. But, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, I know my, my, my buddies and stuff mowed it. But you know what? I also had a, a, an indirect relationship with Guy Lafleur because he lived in the town over. And at the, we live sort of out in the country. And there's only one supermarket. And he was there all the time getting meat and getting stuff. And back in those days, you could smoke in the, uh, in the grocery stores. Yeah, he would wait for a steak, and he would literally go through a pack of cigarettes. It was insane. That we just watch him; he would just smoke, 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 smoke. I, I, and I was like, "Wow, how can he go play hockey and smoke like that?" But yeah, we he he lived in a town called Bay Derve, and uh, we we ran into him at the grocery store. I mean, I didn't live next to him, obviously, but he was at the grocery store once, at least once a week. We'd see him, and, and how, uh, he was uh, then how accessible. Really nice. How accessible was he? I mean, did you walk up to him, or uh, did you know oh, where he was because you just followed a cloud of smoke? <laughs> sort of, yeah. No, he was just uh, he was always uh, he was always at the meat counter. That's the only place I would ever see him. He'd be at the meat counter because you had to order your meat, you know. And that was the only place. But he was, uh, yeah. They were all accessible. I mean, we had a bunch of people. We had Bill Stone and the Expos pitcher down the street. Chris Fire, the Expos yeah. um, shortstop. Uh, shortstop. Yep. Yeah, we had uh, Larry Robinson wasn't too far. Later on, Guy Carboneau was in the day. So we had a bunch of these guys. And uh, Joe Barnes was the Montreal Alouettes starting quarterback. We had a bunch of them. And, uh, yeah, they they were all super nice. But none of them had attitude. But I think, you know, late 70s, early 70s, sports wasn't was it, what it is today. I mean, they weren't making $8 million per month, you know, not back then. So they were just working-class guys who happened to be playing hockey. It was, uh, yeah, good times. Good times back then. And, of course, we received the news today that Guy Lafleur passed away at the age of 70. I mean, talk about, and growing up in the area, Mitch, I mean, talked about what he meant to the Canadians yeah. and, and that city. And in a way, because, you know, the, the fans grew up with, with him and, of course, the five Stanley Cups. I mean, it made it yep. even down the road. I mean, talk about how difficult it made it for a guy like Pacioretty who, you know, had three or four really good years, almost at the 40-goal mark. Those yeah. fans remembered, and it's they're very you know pro French Canadian. And, and as soon as Pacioretty started to fall off, who is not Canadian, he's American. I think yeah. that, that the fans started to really turn against him at that point. They really did, uh, and, and poor poor Patch. I mean, he was he's such a good player, and he he does so well with Vegas. But yeah, you know, there, there's that there's that whole concept of Shea New, you know from here, as they say, Shea knew. And uh, if you're um, uh, Lafleur or if you're Henri Richard or if you have that French name and that French connection, they just love you. You know, they, they absolutely love you. And if you're American or if you're from, like, Calgary, they're like, yeah, you know, unless you're scoring 50 goals a year, don't bother us. It's, it's, it's strange, but it's also endearing in the, in, at the same time because I don't see a lot of communities – around the NHL that really have that attachment to the home guy and the home kid and it's 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 something unique in Montreal it it it's what's costing us games these days because we're trying so hard to recreate the 70s and the whole francophone connection that sometimes we make these trades you know for like uh, Jonathan Drouin I mean come on <laughs> there was absolutely no need to make that trade other than for the name on the back of his jersey but well, St. Louis has worked out okay for you. St. Louis is fantastic. And I got to say, the whole new, not uh, ownership, but the uh, management, 
that they've brought in, uh, you're, you're looking at this going, you know what? I think there's hope next year. I don't think the Habs are going to win the Stanley Cup in two or three years, but I think we could maybe do it in five to seven. If you have St. Louis and you have Kent Hughes and you've got that whole team going on, making proper decisions, I, I think we're not that far off. But I do think we have to get rid of Carey Price, unfortunately. I, I was just going to ask you, what, yeah, what, what interesting. Is, 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 this, is this his last year in Montreal? Does, does he play for somebody else or does he just retire? That's a good question. Thank I, you. I, I've thought about all of them. I think no, but you know what? I think uh, I, I think it's really going to depend on his knee. I, I, I think we're all aware right now that he's playing just to make sure that he can play. I think we're also uh, sort of uh, bringing him out so the other teams can say, "Hey, if he comes back next year, I think he plays to, with Montreal until the trade deadline, and then somebody at deadline is going to say, okay." We need a hot goalie. We're taking him. Um, but, yeah, I just don't see how Montreal can move forward with him. We, we've got all the young kids, Caulfield and um, uh, Suzuki and all those guys. They're five, six years away from a cup. You can't have a goalie that's going to be 40 years old taking into the cup. I mean, you can't. And his salary is preventing everybody from making trades. Every time, you know... We had to get rid of some players so that we could make cap space so we could come play four games. You can't move forward if you have to clear cap space every time your goalie wants to play. It's, it doesn't make sense. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I think uh, I think Shea Weber and uh, Carey Price are done as Montreal Canadiens, honestly. And they have to be done. I mean, their salary is too big for us to be able to do anything. We'll, we'll have to keep having plumbers and ringers come in and, and never get anywhere. So okay. Yeah, I got you. You mentioned Caulfield, man. Talk to me about Cole Caulfield. He, he had the, the great uh, playoffs last year, uh, really showed up big. And then uh, this year, the, the start was a little tough for him. The, the first half, maybe the first three quarters of the year, but uh, a, a little tough. But he's come on lately again, and uh, the future looks bright for this kid. Absolutely. And that has everything to do with uh, St. Louis. First of all, St. Louis was his hero. He said so. He says, I wear that number because of St. Louis. But that Dominic Ducharme, everybody said, oh, you got to fire the coach. I go, fire the coach? We don't have a coach. We have Dominic Ducharme. He's not a coach. That guy, he, that, that poor Dominic Ducharme, he ruined Suzuki. He ruined our power play. He ruined Caulfield. I'm pretty sure Carey Price was like, I'm not going back to play with this guy. You know, he, so Caulfield will be fine. Now that he's got a proper coach, got a proper frame around him i think he'll i think he's going to be a 50 goal scorer honestly have you seen his release on on some of the on some of oh he's an he's incredible i but it's interesting you say that about nick suzuki too i mean do you really feel like nick is is ruined at this point i mean he's had his best point total of his career and of course you know you know the hindsight is 2020 but obviously you know i i think if anybody's being honest with you in the VGK organization, we sure would have liked to still had Nick, this version of Nick, uh, still in Vegas. Oh, absolutely. However, you wouldn't have had Pacioretty. So, so there is that. But no, you know, Nick, whatever he's doing now and whatever his stat is today, you could probably add 10 or 20 points or even 30 points had he been with St. Louis. He would have been used differently on the power play. He would have been used differently in overtime. He would have been put on a different line with more potential. It's unrealized potential this year with the Habs, and that has a lot to do with Dominic Ducharme just 
really not being awake and aware. And oh, I mean, what a <laughs> what yeah. a disaster it was. But you know what? Ultimately, I think I think this will be good for us because it gave us a chance to play a lot of the the rookies from uh, Laval, you know, from the Rockets, have a chance to actually see what they can do. So I think going into next year, the whole management team can say, okay. This guy's good. This guy's good. This guy's got to go. We need to trade for this. We, you know, so I think it'll help us do a spring cleaning, for the lack of a better word. I well, think the future is bright. It, as far as Nick is concerned, I mean, obviously, you know, they brought Pacioretty in here to be a piece to uh, potentially win a cup. But then you look at Nick at, at you know the age of what he's twenty two at this point. I mean, there's a lot of good years in front of him. So to say, well, you wouldn't have Pacioretty, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, you know, I mean, this guy probably has that 25-30 potential, especially if he's on the right line with the right line mates, and you're going to have him for maybe, you know, 10 years, maybe 15 years. I mean, if he's a lifer with VGK, I I don't know if I wouldn't rather have that at this point. Yeah, but, you know, you, you had to, you know, Vegas had to build a fan base, and you had to win. You can't have a team out in the desert losing for eight years. So I think Pacioretty and Stone and all those guys come in. They create an excitement. They create a buzz. I mean, you almost won the oh, cup sure. in the first year. For sure. Yep. And I think if you come in there and you are the, you know, the whatever, the the the, the Buffalo Bills of the of the last ten years, or and you just sort of putts along. I don't know if Vegas is what Vegas is. I mean, Vegas is very successful because of that first year and that, that cup, and everybody went, oh, my God, this is exciting. I don't know if they do that if, if, you're, if you have Nick Suzuki figuring out how to play, if you have other guys coming in. Um, you know, if you don't have Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, trading Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> well, we didn't oh, trade him. Uh, they gave him away. They gave him away know, for cap space. <laughs> there was no trade. There was nothing. Nothing that we're uh, seeing. To, they're seeing the benefits of right now. Um, and then you know, from a Montreal standpoint, I mean, but you do think. I mean, there's look. Let's not overlook the injuries that they've had to overcome as well. I, I mean, yeah. it, you say, well, maybe they're going to hang on to Carey Price next year, and you know, what does he make it? Ten and a half. I mean, his contract runs. Yeah. He's still got like five, six years yeah. left on his deal, Crazy. but. If, if, deal. if they keep him until the cap match or until the trade deadline, say they're in the, you know they're not going to get rid of their number one guy at that point if they're in the postseason discussion, would they? No, absolutely. So this not. has got to be a thing. summer deal. It's got to be a summer deal, or they've got to say to themselves, if we make enough adjustments, can we be in a place to win? And if we are, come whatever March. If we're in a place where we can win, we're in the top 16 or the top 12, you keep them. If you're, you know, fighting for a spot, you go, uh, you know, get rid of them. But the Habs goalie situation is very tenuous. They're actually talking these days about signing Marc-Andre Fleury to a two-year contract, believe it or not, which I thought was like, oh, okay. But, you know, Jake Allen's injured and has been injured all year. Um, Primo down in the in the minors is just not NHL ready, just absolutely not. That Sam Montalbo, fun story, cute kid, you know, whatever, Canadian, Quebecer, but he's on and off. I mean, some days he looks brilliant, and other days you're just like, oh, my God, how yeah. did he ever get past the minors? <laughs> yeah. you know, he'll, 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 he'll put up one or two goals, and then the next game he'll put up nine goals, and you're like, what the? How is he so not consistent? 
So yeah, it's, I can't it's support. I can't support anybody, Mitch, that I can't say their name properly. <laughs> so he's one of those yeah. guys. So Can I'm really rooting for him to get out. <laughs> yeah, that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, can I ask you one question? What, what do you think uh, of NHL teams uh, looking to sign Russian players this year? I mean, it, or, 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 or the um, at the draft because. I saw a report the other day about these teams going, we're going to get this guy and this guy. And it's just like, uh, I don't know if it's a good thing to do this year. Maybe we should hold off. You mean whether they should or shouldn't do that? Yeah. It's very difficult. It's difficult for me, Mitch, because, hey, look, I'll be the first one to tell you that you separate the people from the government. And although I'm a guy that absolutely supports – you know, our government, no matter who's in president, because as a former military member, I support my commander in chief. It doesn't mean that I supported him or didn't support him. But what's going on in Russia, I don't know if that trickles down to we're going to make the individuals who are just trying to make uh, make, you know, have a have a career, make a living. Are we penalizing them because of what the government does? I don't think that 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 equates. And I agree with, you know, the squeezing of. Uh, of the Russian government by various entities ar- around the world, but I don't know. Do we do we penalize the player? Do we penalize their families? They have nothing to do with this. The, you know, I mean, the only thing, the only thing, the only problem they're dealing with is the fact that they, you know, depending on your standpoint, won or lost a lottery, and they were born in Russia. So I, I don't know if I I'm not anti-Russian player. I mean, I look at. Uh, Dodonov here in town, and you know, I mean, how can you not like this guy? I, I would never say, oh, I, you know, I wouldn't want him here because he's Russian. I, I just, I don't think I want to go down that road. In fact, I want him here because of guy like that. I feel, you know, let's keep him here. Let's put a bubble over him. Let's protect him because he's a good guy. And if he goes back home, who knows if he's ever going to see, you know, see his way back to the U.S. again. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a debate they're having on Canadian uh, sports channels. And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe we should just like suspend suspend the draft for one year. You know, see, I don't know. It's a tough one. Who knows? Well, even if Who they knows? don't make their way over here, Mitch. I mean, you would have the rights, you know, to to that player. I mean, they've got to be involved yeah. in the draft. I, I, yeah. I mean, how do you? How does it play up there? Uh, up here, a lot of the commentators are saying just ban them. Ban them. They're just saying, really. Yeah, they're just saying, yeah. They're just saying ban them. There's at least on the, especially on the French commentator side, they're just like, hey, you know what? Ban them. But but so, but where yeah. was the outcry then, Mitch, for Don Cherry? I mean, I mean, we really, uh, you know, I mean, we couldn't wait. You know, I mean, with the, with the poppy issue, I mean, but all of a sudden, yeah. when we want to be, uh, you know, you know pro Canada, and that's it. And I appreciate that. I'm just asking the question. But, I mean, nobody came to his defense when they probably should have. Yeah, they really should have. I, I don't think Don Cherry did anything Absolutely not offensive. Yeah. No, That's right. I mean, you know. But Canadian, Canadian sports has, in the last few years, become a, a sort of a blend of sports and, and political agenda. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's it's. It's not the old uh, Dick Irvins and uh, old guys, you know, with Lionel the Cavalier on the French side. It's you know, but let, let's get back to uh, to Vegas. I, I'm a, I, by the way, am a Vegas fan. I've been watching every game at night, 
And that New Jersey game that you spoke about, after they lost that, I said, they are not a playoff team. That's they don't too. deserve to be in the playoffs. That's and right. if they win, they they should just say no because we lost a whole, I mean, that's, God <laughs> They damn. should say no. <laughs> We're not going. Yeah. We're not going to no. the NIT yeah. this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we lost to the Devils. We don't deserve this. Give it to somebody else. Because that game was embarrassing. I mean, come on. But then you look behind <laughs> them, Mitch, and uh, who you, who would you give it to? Well, like, who deserves thing. it? I don't really like I, – I don't like Nashville, and I don't like uh, Dallas. So, But in and, back of them, I mean, I don't, you're not giving it to Winnipeg, and maybe you, – you, I mean, just hypothetically, but, I mean, Vancouver, if there was no. another month in the, in the season – I mean, with all these guys coming back now, and, and I, I don't, you know, I've said this a hundred times, Mitch, you know, when when the Silver Knights, who was their AHL affiliate here in town, yeah. you know, when those kids all came up, they played with a little bit of chip on their shoulder. They had something to prove. They reeled off a yeah. bunch of wins against teams maybe they didn't have any business being on the same ice with. And then when, you know, the Stones and the Pacioretty and all these guys came back, I, I think there was a period of time, maybe not one specific game, because we saw them blow out Calgary, but then and maybe they just thought, hey, we're back, we're showing up, and give us our playoff spot, and that's just not the way it's been. No, anyway, that game. But listen, Calgary did you a huge favor yesterday. I'm enjoying what Calgary is doing. Mm-hmm. If my, since my Habs aren't going to be in it, I'm, I'm rooting for Vegas first. If not, I'm going to be rooting for Calgary. So, hey, keep helping each other out. That's the way to do it. <laughs> hey, Mitch, do you like when, when people call and say, hey, we, we, we don't need to – we don't want to talk about Megadeth for, for 30 minutes? I mean, do you like talking about other things? I do. Me I quite too. enjoy, especially especially hockey. Now, listen, I love talking about Megadeth, and I like love talking about all that stuff. I interviewed Dire Straits this week. I mean, that was fun. That's, but, well, that's yeah. great. That's That'd up your alley, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. Important. I interviewed. Uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm looking outside. And Steve, look 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 behind you. Is it snowing? It looks like very cold rain. Yeah. It, it looks like this is some sort of sleet going on. Yeah, it is slushy. I mean, my, in Vegas? Yeah, right It's now. incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, it, there is a tint of white with what's coming down. It's raining pretty heavy now. Apparently, we're in the 60% yeah. range of, the, of the rain. But uh, hey, tell yeah. everybody, and, and I know you're a huge hockey fan. That's why I wanted to, to bring you I'm on. Just, I'm standing outside here in the sun and in shorts. Well, knock it off. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, we all know that you have to move to, you know, Northeast Canada to get the good weather. I mean, we are stuck with this garbage all the time i mean for about 360 days i see sun uh, believe me this is the equivalent of uh, i so i'm from upstate new york and when we used to get that first snowfall i mean it was the you know everybody turned nice you know everybody's driving around like it you know they were trying to get out of a parking lot at church i mean this is what happens when it rains in vegas uh, all the nice people start coming out and you know we, we wave each other on but you know during during the summer it's like get out of my way Do, tell everybody about your podcast though because you know like the great eddie, eddie trunk says i want to geek out on on a certain things here Tell everybody about that podcast, where it's gone, and and the the origins of it. Because really, you are the go to guy. I mean, Eddie's you know you know what Eddie is, but you are really listen. I love Eddie. By the way, I, I know you do. I speak to him. I speak to him all the time, and I got to. I'll just say one thing about Eddie. If it wasn't for him, from like nineteen ninety seven until right. two thousand ten. 
this a lot of the stuff we like just wouldn't exist because nobody was going to talk about warrants. Nobody was going to talk about fire. So he kept that alive. So regardless of what people think of him or his personality or show, he, we're talking about Rock because he was there for those 15 years. No so doubt about we, it. we got to give him that. we got to give him that. Absolutely correct. And I... Listen, I, I like guys to get back to me when I send them things, and you do. So all of a sudden, you're you're my favorite rock guy. But <laughs> Mitch, <number> one. <laughs> talk about this origin. I, I know there was a time not too long ago that maybe there was a minute when you said, hey, "I don't want to. I, I don't think I want to do this podcast." And Eddie had even mentioned it on his show. We're talking about Eddie yeah. Trunk, and yeah. you know, and and it was a short time where you said, "Eh, I'm too busy spending time with the." I, Spending time with the family is great, but I need to do it at a distance. So I'm going to go back to the po- to the podcast. I mean, talk about the origins and uh, and where it, where it is at this point now. Well, I've been doing it since uh, 2013, and it actually originated with um, Ryan Roxy from Alice Cooper's band. Mm-hmm. He he started talking about podcasts, and I'm going to do a podcast, and I'm. And he said, you know what these things are? And I was like, I don't have a clue. What are you talking about? He goes, oh, you know, it's kind of like an iPod. And the iPod, now they're going to have their own radio. So he explained the whole thing to me. And I, and I got into it then. So I started interviewing all the, the people I know, you know, the Jeff Pilsons and the Ryan Roxies. And, and I, you know, it, it became successful. I got covered in Rolling Stone magazine. I got covered in Spin. I got covered in Billboard. I got So it grew. And... It got to a point where I did it with Alan Niven, who is uh, Guns N' Roses' former manager, and we, we did it for a while, but it became very heavy for me because I had to do all the booking of the guests, I had to do all the questions, I had Tell to do all the editing. I had, <laughs> yeah, I had to do everything, and I just went, I just went ah, you know what, I think I'm done. Uh, it, it's, I've sort of been there, done that, and then Jeremy came along, and Jeremy... For, for those who don't know, he is Montreal's number one on-air personality. He has won 20 rating books in a row going back, I think, eight years or nine years, because I think they do twice a year. Uh, he has a number one show in Toronto that runs uh, at the same time, but it's two different shows. He records the Toronto show in the afternoon and then sends it out, and then he's also in Hamilton. So he came along and said, listen, I'll do the editing. I'll do the graphics. You just have to show up and, and interview people. And I went... Well, I can do that, <laughs> you know. So, so you know, this week he booked us Michael Anthony, he booked us the guys in Lit, he booked us Matt Sorm. So I'm not having to do anything on that end. I just show up, ask the question. So it, it, it's keeping it going, and we are sort of changing a little bit in terms of of the content. We do the rock and the hard rock, obviously, but you know, we're we're looking at country guests now. We're looking yeah. at pop guest. Well, he's more into and that, I, isn't he? Well, and yes and no. He, he is a hard rock, hard rock, hard rock, hard rock fan. Loves Van Halen, loves all that stuff. However, he works for Montreal's number one hot AC channel, uh, The Beat. The Beat 92.5, which is you know, all day uh, Selena Gomez and, and oh, Dojo Cat brutal. and all that stuff. So <laughs> yeah, but he, 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 as their number one DJ, is often sent to the press conferences, often sent to the concerts, often sent to interview. I mean, you know, I met him uh, when he was interviewing uh, Brian Adams. Um, who else was he interviewing? Uh, he was doing uh, Sean Mendez. He was doing all these people, uh, you know, uh, Katy Perry. 
So he gets sent out to do all that stuff. So that's that's sort of his day gig, and that's why he wanted to do the show with me, because he's like, oh, good God, I can't talk about this stuff all day. Let's let's talk about L.A. guns a bit, you know? Yes, so, so so we help each other out. I, I get him the hard rock guest that he would never get. I mean, he, he would never have spoken to Def Leppard without me. He would never would have spoken to Kiss without me. He never would have spoken to, you know, Extreme or Gary Sharon or... And I don't have to edit anything anymore. So, win-win. It's perfect. And, you know, we do, we do we do good. Uh, you know, we do um, we do twelve thousand to twenty thousand downloads per episode, two episodes a week. So, you know, if you're going, if you max out, that's forty thousand. That's like playing a stadium every week for a podcast. I mean, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Hey, you know, we have tens and tens of listeners, so we're <laughs> we're almost there. <laughs> Go ahead, Mitch. Mitch, since you just spoke with Mark Knopfler, how's he doing? What's he up to? Is is, is he retired? Is is he is he touring? Well, I spoke actually to John, the uh, the bass player. So it, Mark and John are the two original members, the two guys. And yeah, he's he, John is doing great. They, we we spoke about, of course, all the MTV days and Brothers in Arms. But he's got a new book called, um, what's it called again? My Life in Dire Straits. It is a fantastic read. I got to tell you, I'm not a big, avid reader of especially rock books because, you know, <laughs> half the time it's not them who remembers anything because you know, the 80s were wild, as we say. <laughs> but this is a great book. It really details how he went from almost becoming a banker to becoming a record store owner to becoming the basis of one of the biggest bands in the world fascinating read yeah he's doing great yeah he's out he's out on tour this week uh doing some some gigs with friends and stuff so no he's a good guy but dire straits unfortunately not coming back okay that's cool and then and then you said that you you did talk with brian adams i'm a big fan of brian adams music what's he up to well brian of course has his new uh, album that came out i didn't know that um, i gotta go check that out Oh, we're watching hockey, so that's why. (laughs) Yeah, we're watching hockey. But he he did put out two albums in March, which is funny because... um, What's that album called again? What's that new album called? Yeah, I I am not a follower of Brian Adams, so I I would not know that. Uh, uh, I'm looking. I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) That's right. You mean his newest newest record? Yeah, hold on. Uh, oh, I have it in my phone, but I can't check my phone. But yeah, he, anyway, he just put out that new album, which is great. It, it, it's back to what he was doing on Reckless and Into the Fire and Waking yeah. Up to Neighbors. He went back to that sound. But what he also did, without telling anybody, so happy is on it the hurts. same day. So happy it hurts. Yes. Ah, thank you. See, <laughs> I'm old. I forget. But, it's it's okay. a, but it, it really is a great, great album. And uh, he he, on the same day quietly on all the digital platforms he put out pretty woman the musical this this album that he wrote with jim valance for the musical that was in new york and it's actually i think better than so happy it hurts so you've got these two albums that he's put out at the beginning of march that are competing with each other which are both equally good equally strong just great canadian you know hard rock melodic rock it's 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 perfect, and of course, you know uh, he'll be touring soon, and he'll be coming. Uh, he'll be coming to town, and Brian Adams in Montreal is just—it's—it's it's magical. He will play twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty songs. He'll go on all night. Did, did John? 
John Mutt Lang, he also, I, I remember, I think, reading somewhere that he produced that album or it was back with, with Brian to do that album. Yeah, uh, Mutt was back with uh, Brian on uh, So Happy It Hurts. They only did two or three songs together. Oh, I see. Okay. But uh, you can tell. I mean, you listen to the other songs, and then you get to the ones that have that mutt, the little Mutt influence, and you go, yep, mm-hmm, that's right. I know what that is. That's Mutt. Mutt, man. What a guy. Great sound, great everything, great yeah. producer. Yeah. Ah. Well, okay, so that's going to be my easy transition into what I really would just rather talk about for an hour. I always wondered, as a gigantic Def Leppard fan, um, and I have friends of mine that are listening now that are, are intently on waiting on this uh, portion of the show, because we all are, you know, I've always wondered, uh, through the ups and downs of, of the Def Leppard sound, I always wondered, what was it that they said, you know what, you know, Mutt, I, and I understand he was busy, and I, I, I've heard that a thousand times, but... There had to be something, not just on Def Leppard's part, but on Mutt's part, that said, hey, let's see if we can recreate that magic again. Was Hysteria just way too much on everybody? Where they said, okay, we, we got what you're, what you're selling here, and, and we really just don't want to go through that again? You know, um, Mutt got real popular at the end of the, of the end of the 80s going into the 90s. And, of course, with um, Steve Clark passing and all that stuff, and, and he, he sort of passed it on to his engineer to, to, to produce the record. I think the band and I think the record company in particular, and, and this is just an educated guess, but I think the record company just sort of said, listen, we're not paying an extra $5 million for, for you to take eight hours, you know, eight years, put out the next album. Let's just go find somebody who can do it a little, a little cheaper, a little quicker. And uh, you know, the the band, I think, uh, after Hysteria, and and then all the time it took, they they just needed to go find something else to do. And uh, Mutt was doing Waking Up the Neighbors, and then eventually he got into Shania Twain. So he had his own thing going on. I I think at some point you have to move from your producer. I mean, look at John Bon Jovi, eighteen years now with John Shanks producing and playing with him isn't it time for a timeout and just say john and john could we just you know go to your separate corners and <laughs> let somebody else produce so uh, as much as mutt was the sound and is the sound you know high and dry and pyromania and hysteria i don't think adrenalize would have been what it was had it been another mutt production so i think it was good that everybody went their own way you know yeah i i mean <laughs> hey, Mitch, let's be honest about this. I mean, uh, we've because we've gotten older, we've realized, hey, look, we're not going to hear high and dry. We know Joe's uh, Joe Elliott's you know, range is not you know, we're not getting run ride yep. again or, or no, no, no or yep. any of that. We know that we, we know what we're going to get with Joe. There's something about and maybe because of the pandemic, they had time. Maybe it, it mm-hmm. was, hey, listen, let's, this next thing that we do has to be as good, and we hear the fans. And, and honestly, you know, as a fan, Mitch, I, I, listen, we know what we want from them. We want big guitars, heavy, yep. you know, big hooks, yep. you know, big choruses, 
you know, all that stuff that we love about this band. But, you know, for a time they said, okay, we're, we're just going to do what we want to do, which is fine. They earned that and, and they took yep. a, took a beating with, with slang and which, you know, later has become a, a, a record as, yeah. as their fans have matured with the band, they've accepted slang and X and, you know, what they did with, yeah. And I don't know if they, you know, like when they're doing their covers and I, I like rock on and I love a lot of things that they're doing. I don't know how much they actually add to the song. I think it's just Def Leppard doing the song as it is. But right. this record, Mitch, you hear kick, which was good. Yep. You hear take what you want. And you're like, <laughs> wow, does that not strike a, a chord that has not been struck uh, by the band for time. the fans in a long, long time. Do you anticipate that this record coming out next month is going to be something special and one of the crown jewels of their catalog? Yes, that's the short answer. And um, I, I, I was speaking to one of their reps yesterday in management, and I was saying, you know, take what you want, and it's a great song. He goes, that's not even the good song. <sighs> Because wait till wait till the good songs come out. It's gonna die like, in my what do you chair. mean wait till the good song? Yeah, and and you know what though, I'm gonna postulate this. Um, they're doing the stadium tour with Motley Crue. Do you think that they up the rock on this album because they can't go to the stadium tour in front of forty thousand people and then just play you know ballads from X or you know that kind of song where they just said you know if we're gonna go do a stadium tour which is full on rock. We should probably put a rock album out. I mean, yeah. I think I think the stadium tour motivated them because you know you can't come up with a dance single <laughs> and then come in front of a Motley Crue crowd and go, "Hey, everybody, here's our new dance single." Uh, you know, I love Man Enough. It's a <laughs> yeah. great song, but I don't. I yeah, don't we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna open up with Sea of Love, <laughs> and there's a reason nobody's <laughs> yeah. ever heard that song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think the stadium tour sort of motivated, but I, I you know. They they do come around. Euphoria was was a uh, return to the roots, and and this one from from speaking to um, to the boys in management. Oh, I think we're in for a great summer. Oh, I know, oh. and, and 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 Mitch, the deal with this is that guitar crunch that that mm-hmm. you're like because in in past in past singles and past records. And I apologize to the audience. I know it's a hockey show, but hey, it, it's self-indulgent day. In past songs, take what you want would start and then all of a sudden come to a screeching halt. You know, big start. And then you're like, you know, Joe would come in with it, with his you know soft vocals and, you know, and guitars would be suppressed. And it's just I love the direction of this. And I understand what you're saying. And, you know, and I always thought that they got a bum deal. Because and I know, hey, look, the, the band is is guilty of this because they'll come out and try to tell you they're not a they're not a metal band, and you know, Joe hates that. They are a hard rock band. I, I don't care what they say, but I think one of the problems they've run into is the way that they produce their records. Uh, it's you know very slick, high production, and yep. that and and people start to think, well, that's what they are right now. But when you see them live. There's no doubt there's a hard rock band. I don't care what they say. They're a hard rock band. <laughs> it's totally different that. experience from CD to live. Yeah, and you know what? There's a lot of bands that have that phenomenon. I mean, you listen to Metallica on album, 
And you go, well, that's good. That's good. But then you see them live, even the stuff from St. Anger or the stuff from Load, or that stuff comes alive live. And you just go, oh, how come I didn't hear that on the record? That's weird. And Def Leppard are the same thing. You know, even Bon Jovi for, for many, many years was the same way. You would take some of these songs, especially in the last 20 years, from 2000 onwards, and you go, huh, that's interesting. And then you see it live and you go, oh, I didn't realize this song was good. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I know it's never, that, and does it drive you too nuts a little bit? And we talk about John. You know, I mean, the video just came out, and everybody's like, oh, this is the way he sounds. And I've said this a hundred times, and you can see it on social media. There comes a time when you have to stop going to shows because you want to be impressed and relive the 80s. You have to go to these shows now and say, yeah, we know Vince doesn't sound great. We know John is probably not, you know, he's not ripping out all his tunes the way he used to. We know Joe is not, you know, you know killing, you know, let it go, even though they did in, in you know the residency. But doesn't it come to a time, Mitch, where it's time to go to these shows to pay tribute for what they've done instead of looking at it like, oh, they're not doing what they used to do? 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. And I will add this. You know, you look at our sports heroes. We are Gila Fleurs and your Ken Drydens and your Nolan Ryans and, you know, Dan Marinos. They gave us 10 years of entertainment sometimes 15 years of entertainment. And some of them, they, they, they bum out after six or seven years because they're knee or they're hip or whatever. You've got these rock stars that are giving us 30 years of their life, yes. 40 years of their life, 50 years of their life when you start talking about Kiss and the Scorpions and the Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney. Are you going to complain? You got 50 years from these guys, whereas with Dan Marino, you got whatever, 10 years, or, or Gila Fleur or, or Kendrick, you got nine years. How can you compare? So, of course, and of course, you're going to slow down, and of course, they're going to be a little bit, you know, heavier. But so what? You go there to show your kids what it was like. Exactly you go right. there to, to, to talk. You know, you and me, we go there just to, to hang out and talk some Vegas stuff and talk about the Habs, and then, oh, look, there's, there's pour some sugar on me playing in the background. That's what you go for to sit there and nitpick. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you're not <laughs> I hey, look, we we you, you bring sports into this. There was a guy and I brought this up a million times and and I'll let you go in a second, Mitch. I mean, I I cleared this hour out cuz I know you and I would just go off, but right. there was a guy that walked around T-Mobile saying Robin Leonard, you know, he stinks. We deserve better. It's like you don't deserve oh, you do. anything. You don't deserve <laughs> no. anything. What you deserve is to pay your money, sit there and root for the team, and it and to sit. Listen, and then that's different than having an opinion about what they should do. But to have a T-shirt protest about who you think should be in net, it's like, yeah, you deserve because of the money that you pay to have a understanding that you think the team that you're backing is doing the best they can to win hockey games. That's what you deserve. It's nothing. Well, you, de- you deserve to be entertained. You deserve to be deserve. entertained. That's right. That's exactly and, right. And, and and I will add this: you deserve to be entertained in a safe environment. So you have to go there knowing that you know you're not going to have a drunk spilling beer over. You, that the venue is going to make sure that you're having an enjoyable time and that it's it's reasonable. And you, you know, listen: if you take any of the sports heroes I mentioned and said to me, 
they will have a 50-year career. Can you imagine what Guy Lafleur or Ken Dryden or Nolan Ryan would look like on the mound or in the in the goal at 70 years old? I mean, can't stop it. Yeah. So right. go go see Alice Cooper. Go see Def Leppard. And just say thank you for sticking around. Yeah. And by the way, uh, those are two examples of bands that are fantastic to this day. Nobody's sitting there yeah. worried yeah. about whether or not Joe Elliott, who had to make an adjustment in the way he sang. Uh, by the way, had surgery. Nobody, you know, is talking about his adjustment. They're all talking about Vince. I mean, those are two bands, uh, along with Aerosmith, to this day are still so good in concert. They're not, and we saw the clip uh, of Def Leppard in Germany. You know, when they were kids, and they were just this hungry band, and you could you could feel yeah. it on stage. But man. You're still walking out of there saying, I got a professional rock show by a great band. Absolutely. And here, before we wrap up, let me just bring up this topic. What do we do with the backing vocals and the backing tracks? Because you look at John Bon Jovi these days, and people are complaining. They're saying his voice, well, he shouldn't be singing. But then, <laughs> if he did run tracks like Kiss, they'd be like, oh, well, they're running tracks like Kiss. It's so... Do you prefer a a show where you've paid two hundred bucks and it's slick and you know that it's there's a backing track, or do you want live live and just go, hey, listen, at least it's a live show. I mean, are you on Kiss's side or are you on on Bon Jovi's side or are you on both sides? Just say, listen, just entertain me. I don't care how you do it. Yeah, I know I'm going against Eddie on this. This is his big platform. I, I'm on both sides, Mitch. I mean, I see yeah. you, you and I both know the, the young band out of New York City that I also love, Tempt. And, and I know that, you know, when you're a young band, you know, you can't afford to recreate on stage what you do on a record sometimes. And, and so yeah. how do you do that without getting ridiculed? I, I think there is a, a balance. I, I, don't want, I don't want lip syncing. I, I can tell you that I don't want lip syncing, uh, but as, as from a band standpoint, hmm. if you don't, you know, if you don't do that, then I, I mean you're going to get ridiculed. So, so it, it's yeah. a, a yin and a yang for a band. I, I want things to be live for sure. That's my choice, but I do think from time to time I understand why it's being done. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll put it this way. You spend. Let's say you take a family of four. You've spent two hundred and fifty. You know, you're a thousand bucks on tickets, and then the parking and the this, and maybe you've traveled. A show can run you a thousand bucks, and then if you have a bad experience, what happens is that you run to social media and you tell the whole world that you had a bad experience, and then the show twenty, you know, twenty dates down the road, the tickets don't sell because everybody says don't go see Kiss because it's a horrible. So, so the bands have to be perfect. There's a I understand. pressure. Yeah, yeah, There's and then we and then we wonder why. Hey, how come they're not performing anymore? I mean, you can't have it both. I mean, it's it to me, it's all entertainment. I appreciate everything that they've done, Mitch. Please, I, I thank you so much for this hour. Please tell everybody where they can find you and, and all of your work. Well, the easiest place is at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, on Twitter. And from there, of course, I'm always posting links to the show. There, there, even in the uh, profile, there's a, there's a uh, link tree that you can click and find it. But if you just look up Mitch Lafon, we're on Amazon, we're on iHeart, we're on Spotify, Apple. I mean, yeah. if, if it's a podcast platform, we are on it. In fact, oddly enough, we're on this podcast platform called GNU out in India, 
and that's where a lot of our listeners are from because it's it's a, it's, it's this gigantic platform that, that streams to like a billion people every day. And uh, we get a lot of numbers from India for some reason. Yeah. I guess they like their hard rock. Uh, they do, and so yeah. does Mexico City. The only GNU I know is Gary GNU, but that's probably uh, hit about three <laughs> people that knows what that is. Mitch, thank you so much. We'll appreciate it, and, and we'll definitely hit you up down the road. Absolutely, and uh, go Vegas. Come on. Yes, I'm, I'm going to be watching these last few games, man. I'm staying up till 1 in the morning here watching these things, so. Stop disappointing me. All right. We got to get out of here. Thank you so much, Mitch. Uh, That does it for Vegas Hockey Hotline. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Stevie Slapshot, I'm Dana Lane. Thank you for all the the guys over at Station Casinos with Chuck and Chris for being on. And, of course, Mitch, it's been a fantastic show. We appreciate it. And we'll see you again on Monday. Thanks for joining us.